It's the deck cast. It's a deck cast. It's a deck cast. D A C C C A S T. Cause I said it's a deck cast. It's a deck cast. It's a deck cast. Deck cast. D A C C C A S T. D A C C C A S T. You're listening to Deck Cast. Produced by students of Danville Area Community College. And now your hosts, Kaya and Keegan. Hello, hello, hello. It's <laughs> Kaya and Keegan here from the basement of the clock tower. Um, here on DACAS, we get to know the familiar faces we see all over campus in hopes that students at DAC and members of the community get to know each other a little better. With that being said, uh, we are here with a very, very influential member of the faculty. And if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us your role here at the college. Well, I'm... Uh... I, I'm really not good enough to be in the faculty. They, they won't take me. I used to teach, but now, now I'm the president of the college, so yeah. I, I'm not allowed to teach. I have to, I'm an administrator, so what I try to do is look busy most of the day. Gotcha. Okay, uh, what does your normal general day look like here on campus? Well, I will usually, one of the things that we, we, Pretty much. Um, oh, by the way, my name is Stephen Naka. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's so rude when you when you. But but Kai and Keegan, I, you you are the legends, you, and we're so glad you're doing this. And you're here as students, and and you're helping really build a program here that I, that I'm very very happy to see that students are engaged. And you're working with with Laura Henskin and Guido Estevez and Keith Miller. It's just wonderful. So yeah. what I do is. A lot of my work is outside the college, so I'll, I'll work with community people. So I'll say half my day is trying to build DAC with regard to some of our elected officials, with regard to community members, to ensure that, that we're still relevant in what we're doing, meeting with local manufacturers. We have over 34 manufacturers in Vermilion County. And, and part of our mission is to support them. So a lot of my job, half my job is outside working with external stakeholders and, and also with what oversees our college, the Board of Trustees. It's a seven-member board, elected board, and the eighth one is elected. That's a student trustee and, and making sure that they're kept apprised of everything we're doing. So that's half my The other half of my job is in-house working with the vice presidents, working with the cabinet, the college cabinet, which are really department heads, and making sure we're all working together collaboratively and, 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 and really to the mission of the college, which is to serve students and help students learn and, and succeed here and also in jobs afterward or if, if they're transferring. In fact, my day-to-day, I have to write three references. I have to. I'm going to, to help students get into universities to finish their their um, degree. One of them already did three years here on a three-plus-one, so this will be just the fourth year to get a bachelor's, and the other two mm-hmm. are going to have associates, and they're going to go to finish their bachelor's. Other So that's that's kind of a day. Yeah. That's wow. a normal day. Seems pretty jam-packed. <laughs> Well, it's fun. <laughs> and you know what? Other than the board of trustees, I don't have any boss. It's nice not yeah. to have a boss. And I'm going to say to you, both of you, Kai and Keegan, get a job where you don't have a boss anymore. So for f- first 30 years of your work life, work for somebody. Yeah. And then realize how much you hate having a boss <laughs> and then get a job where you don't have a boss. 
and you'll appreciate it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I will. And you'll still you'll have hair me. by the time you reach. <laughs> <my age. laughs> okay, so so your normal day seems a little hectic to me. You have a lot of power in your hands, and I feel like that's not something that Keegan can walk right into and um, you know oversee that position right now. So what is your background? How did you get here um, to be able to do that? What jobs did you have in the past? And where did you go to school? Well, I was I started off as an English major, a very happy English major and, and at an upstate university in New York State. That's like a community college because my whole tuition was 345 a semester and I could take up to 18 credits. So wow. I could work in the summer, pay for that, pay for board, which is another thousand a year. Wow. And, and so that was my undergraduate. So back then, I, I was thinking about education, but I really wanted to just be an English major and have fun. And I loved reading and writing, so I knew I wanted to do that. And I graduated and spent some time in London with my parents and then came back here and then went to St. John's and said, you know, this English major stuff is good, so I got a master's at St. John's. Then I went to Fordham University and got a doctorate also in English wow. literature. So I really thought I was going to be doing teaching at a university. Now, at the time, I had taught for about seven years at St. John's, teaching first basic skills writing, then literature classes. But before I went and jumped into a full tenure-track job, somebody who had been my department chair at St. John's had jumped into the New York City Transit Authority subway and bus system. And I had been working on my dissertation at the time. And I said, you know what? Let's just try that. I'm just going to see what it's like. And my first job was trying to teach conductors how to make announcements on New York City subway trains. Oh, yes. It's it's what we call the Sisyphus myth. It's where you (laughs) you try to push the rock up the hill, and just when you think you're there, and you meet people, they say, why is it on the train? He says, (laughs) and then you hear them in real life. That's how they normally talk. It wasn't the public address. They just talk like they all the time. So, but so that I gave up that at 10 months, but I stayed in the transit authority. So I wound up working for the transit authority for 13 years and said, I just loved it. It was 50,000 employees, five boroughs of New York City. So living and working in New York City was really exciting when I was in my 20s. (laughs) And then, um, and, and 7 million passengers. And as I got into marketing and public relations, I realized how many jobs can you have where you go out, meet the media, New York media, and say, hey, we had a great day today, people. We killed only two people. Now, there's not a lot of jobs where you could say that and they'll <laughs> applaud you. Only two died today? That's great. No, actually, one died and one we ran over his legs. Okay, so, so other than that, it's, you had a good day. So yeah. anyway, that was my job. It gets old after a while, but as exciting as it does seem. And back in my mind, I knew sometime, somehow I would be back in higher education. But I, big, expensive universities didn't thrill me very much. And I had been teaching on the Staten Island campus of St. John's, and I didn't want to go back. I, I just didn't want to go back into that. But then, kind of as a, as a, on a lark, I, I said to my staff at the Transit Authority, I'm going to apply for this community college job, and I'm going to meet some clown who has a... Uh, who wears a sweater and golfs all day, and he'll be the president of a community college. And, and I'm never going to work there, but I'm going to just try it. So I, so I applied, and then what happened was, I, it was Saturday morning, called me in at 9 in the morning. I went into the, into the conference room. There he was in his sweater. 
I almost tripped over his golf clubs on the way. I said, this is, how about that? That's pretty prescient, I thought. So I get in there, I sat, and I listened to him, and he talked for two hours. I talked for five minutes. So then I, I, I'd never had an interview where I didn't get to talk. He's, he was just a blah, 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 blah. So he went on and on about community colleges. And then I went back to my wife. I drove back home, and it was about an hour from where we lived. And I said, Cindy, I think I, they're never going to hire me because I'm a transit guy. Nobody's going to hire a transit guy. Even if I had a doctor, it didn't matter. I'm a transit guy. They had a stack of resumes this big for this job at this college. But I'm going to tell you, community colleges are pretty exciting. I really love what they do. It's not what I thought. It's mm -hmm. transfer. It's helping people in careers like nursing, welding, and things like that. It's helping local jobs. I love this place. And they're, you know what else? And this is, I'll say 20 years later, I still feel the same way. We don't send students off graduates with 50000 100000 in mm -hmm. debt. Yeah. We, we turn around their lives, and they can go away with things. So, so I said, but they'll never hire me. Week later, I get a call while I'm in the middle of East New York, Brooklyn, and the, st and the staff's there, and I had Ma Bell Meadows, who was, who was screaming at Jerome, her husband, on the phone, <laughs> dropping F-bombs, and I'm thinking, you know what? They're offering me a job? Why don't I think about it? So I, so I even took a pay cut, but I said, I'm going to try it. So I started, that's when I started community college. Hmm. So Brookdale Community College in Lincroft, New Jersey, was the first one, and then... Um, when I was there, the chief academic officer, an amazing person by the name of Dr. Margaret McMenamin, we hired her about, I was there for nine years, so about five years into that job, met her, and I said, you're, you're fabulous. So she went on to another college, Union County College in New Jersey, and, and she, she said, you've got to come with me. I said, I will. So I, I followed her like a couple of months later, and I stayed there at that college for six years, and then... Um, then, then a really funny thing. So, so I was sitting in the bathroom. I have as my reading material, Dac Flash being one of them. No, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> but, but the reading material, we have the thing called the Chronicle of Higher Ed. So my, my wife, Cindy's from Chicago. And so for 30 years, we would drive back to Chicago and see all of her relatives. So one day she pulled up the Chronicle of Higher Ed, and she said, Danville, why don't you apply to Danville? I said, Danville? I said, and she has an aunt in Homewood who's in South Southern. In fact, our new chief academic officer, Dr. Page, is from Homewood. And she knew, she had the same problem I had. We're geographically challenged. Read about the college, loved it. But Homewood has a big sign that says Danville. It also has a sign that says Memphis. So Cindy, my wife, said, you should apply, thinking it's in South Suburb. So I applied. Oh and then I said, well, why are they flying me out to Indianapolis, you know? It just seemed dumb. Oh, no, you're dumb. You have to look at the map. See where Danville is. It's not in south suburb of Chicago. It's about two and a half hours south of there. So we, um, so, I, so I came out here. We fell in love with the place. We love Danville. We love Vermilion County. Wow. It's just I've never been in a community that's warmer and friendlier. And just I just love it. I, I live in Danville, so I'm getting enough of my feel of being around people. You couldn't put me in a cornfield. That's Stephen King, <laughs> Children of the Corn. I mean, it's beautiful, but don't do it to me. <laughs> Every year, my wife and I do what's called ragbri, which is a ride, bicycle ride with 20,000 other crazy people across Iowa. And it's, every, it's the last week in July, so it's always a hot week. But that's how, since 2014, I got to appreciate 
how the beauty and, and, and really how agriculture works in America. When you're in yeah. the East, you have no clue of what mm-hmm. beans and corn and what it means to the economy and what agriculture is. So we, GMO to us, we thought that meant it was radioactive. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, this is, and the other thing is I was 60 years old when I first got here, which I got here in 2016. And I thought with the first harvest here, I looked out and it's September and or late October, late August, and all the corn is dried out. And I said, "So what do they do with that? They burn all that? <laughs> burn it? What are you crazy?" <laughs> I said, well, "Harvest? I see. To me, the harvest was we'd eat corn in July. They'd pick the corn and we'd eat it. That was it. Then the then that was it for the corn. But I didn't get it at all." <laughs> But the chair of the board here has just done this with Dr. Page, our new academic chief academic officer, did to me, put me on a combine. And I got to see what it was like mm-hmm. in a farm and how it matters and how it feeds a lot of different economic chains in the country. So mm-hmm. I, I really have gotten to love ag That's so cool. as we teach it. So I've been talking too much. You have like 40 <laughs> more questions. No, it's okay. It's okay. Now, so you basically stumbled upon DAC on accident? Well, my wife saw it in the Chronicle for Higher yeah. Ed. I applied, and they they did like a Skype. That's what we did back then, pre-Zoom Skype okay. interview. So they did a Skype interview, and then they called me up for an interview. And I, I really just love it. I love okay. the place. Gotcha. Mm. And you said that you were you got your degrees in English, right? My Yeah, and then I got – then, you know what? I'm going to tell you something. You're never too old to go back to school. So I've been in college 17 years. So right around 2007, while I was at Brookdale, my first college, they had a a program, educational leadership, EDD program, educational doctorate, for um, community colleges. So this time I could study something that was related to my job and something I loved, which were community colleges. So So then I did a second doctorate in that and finished that in 2010. That was... To me, the first one was, it was grueling, excruciating. <laughs> it was, it was the, you had to go through all of the hoops, the second foreign language, 12 and a half, 12, was it 12 hour testing? Yeah, they did wow. the, the stuff. And that's before you even start your dissertation. The second one was fun. You got to work on something in your own college. And while you're working on your project, you're working on your, your classes and your dissertation. It was all integrated. Wow. And it was, to me, enjoyable. And it was something I liked. I liked community colleges. So, so that's, that was my second. But I did that. I hate to say it was fun, but it really was fun. And then when you go into a second dissertation, you don't make any of the mistakes you made at the first one. Meaning if somebody on your committee even crosses eyes at you, oh, by the way, you're gone. See ya. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> You don't have to, you don't have to, it's your dissertation. You don't know that the first time around. The second time around, it's like marriage. I'll say it's like marriage. You know, the first time, okay, so maybe the spouse is a bit of a pain and pushes you around. The second time, you give it back to them. You learn your lesson. So, so I'm saying, I'm not saying you should marry multiple times, but if you do the second time, I hope you're smarter than you were the first time. Okay, so you went to college in New York. But did you grow up in New Jersey? I grew no. New Jersey was like one of my worst nightmares. <laughs> I was really from upstate New York. Then I lived in Massachusetts. Then I lived in Vermont. Then I lived in upstate New York again. Then back to Massachusetts. Then downstate near New York City. Okay. Then London. 
then New York City, then um, New Jersey. <laughs> you lived in London. Tell us about that a little bit. Yeah, that was that was a, I, after I had gotten my bachelor's. My parents were out there. My father was the head of Firestone for Northern Europe. Oh. And I just did a lot of pub crawls. <laughs> <laughs> took some classes. How old were you then? I guess I was 20, tw I, I, 20 when I graduated, so 20 to 23. Okay. And then wow. after that, I got an assistantship at St. John's. So I'll say to all of you, if you're going to get a master's degree, make sure your institution pays for it. Get an assistantship. It was a teaching assistantship. And it got me really launched in, in a lot of things. They pay for it. They gave me $75 a week. But to me, back <laughs> in 1980, $75, that was, I mean, that's a lot of beans and francs you could buy for $75. <laughs> so uh, were you a Yankees fan before you got to Queens, or have you always been? I was, um, I came out of the womb with pinstripes. I said, what's wrong with that baby? He's got all these lines on him. No, I, I, my, first Yankee, my first Yankee team was 1964 when they lost in the World Series to the dreaded Cardinals. And then my first game at Yankee Stadium was 67, and, and that's pretty much been wow. it. Okay, gotcha. Wow. And you don't like the song Sweet Caroline is what I've heard. Yeah, that's what I've heard. How do you feel? Yeah. How does that song yeah. make you feel? Well, it, it, it's, it's chalk, you know, and you, no, blackboard and, and you've got your fingernails on a blackboard. It's, a, <laughs> it's about that level. Well, it's a Red Sox song. It's also a New York Jets song. So oh. that shows you that, that losers all have the same song. Because <laughs> so, I'm also a Giants fan. You're a Giants fan? Yeah, I'm really sorry about that. Wow. <laughs> I have four Super Bowls. How many That's do you true. have? That's true. <laughs> I, I'm from Cincinnati, so I don't have oh. anything. Um, oh, my goodness. You have yeah. nice colored helmets, though. I love those helmets oh, when they yeah. did the, those. So uh, what's the biggest difference from living on the East Coast in New York, Massachusetts, and then coming to Danville? Well, I was saying to Dr. Page this morning, and she's, again, she's Chicago. When you're in Danville, you could be anywhere in really in the east coast it's you've got the vitality that i that i really i need i need vitality i i'm not saying i have to have a street light but there i need to know that there's one within a mile at least so then um but the difference is when you leave when you drive 10 feet outside of danville it's a vast expanse of just farms just yeah. flat and and anywhere i've ever lived in the east coast there was always, you're in a town, oh, now you're in another town, yeah. now you're in another town. They, they all just merge. Yeah. And, and what we called suburbs, there's nothing like that here. Mm -hmm. yeah. it's, 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 you're, you go from quasi-urban to stark rural. Yeah. I mean, it just becomes <laughs> yeah. very rural. Yeah. So when you were introducing and talking about your role, you mentioned a lot of the manufacturing places that you've like worked with, how else are you involved in the community outside of... Well, let's just deal with, with the manufacturers to start with. They, it, to me, it was like coming to Disney World because okay. where I left in New Jersey, all the factories were empty. Mm -hmm. All of the... the when, when Barack was president, they started the Trade Adjustment Act. That was to help workers who lost their jobs to oversee, all these manufacturers. So it was tough in, in New Jersey and New York to be able to, to do any manufacturing. And, and we had the relation. When I got here, 34 of these ma manufacturers, and you hear, oh, but we had GM. Well, GM was big, but GM's workers weren't skilled. 
I mean, you see the real skilled workers mm -hmm. we have. Places like Watchfire, mm -hmm. ThyssenKrupp Presta, and and ThyssenKrupp uh, Crankshaft, and and just all all of these manufacturers are doing things for computer skills, engineers. If if either of you are an engineering student, they'll cut their arm off to hire you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, and they'll pay for your bachelors if mo uh, s several of them. So the high tech manufacturing that's going on here is ex exciting to me. I also, though, to, to answer back to your question, right now, on a, on a, I just happen to be the chair of Vermilion Advantage. Vermilion Advantage is the um, economic development company that oversees, really helps bring business into our community. So my involvement in that is very important. I'm on Kiwanis. That's a civic group and, and Rotary it's important to do that. It's networking with people. I also work with Tanya Hill. This is by far and away the most generous community I have ever seen. I'm going to say per capita, but also per real dollars for community donors who understand and appreciate the value of education and the value of DAC in this community. This, this is an anchor in this community. Is, yeah. And so when DAC, when, when people, when DAC, doesn't even have to ask community members. I see people living in f houses that cost 40000 and they have endowments here that are 40000 mm -hmm. meaning they, they've contributed to scholarship funds that are the same value of their houses. It's just amazingly mm -hmm. generous. Yeah. And they, they love, I mean, like our honors program, when you see the students and the donors together, it's $600,000 a year. To students wow. for a college this size is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. So I, I just so I spend time with Tanya Hill, who's the executive director of the foundation, making sure that our that our that we our our donors really that we appreciate them, we understand, and we want to hear whatever you know whatever they need. Gotcha. Wow. Okay, we are going to completely switch gears. Uh oh, this is rapid fire. And no, it's not rapid fire yet. But we oh. want you to top. tell us, where is it? Top. The top. We want you to tell us a little bit about this video. So tell us, tell us a little bit about what's happening in this video here. Is it playing? I think there's a weasel behind a bush. <laughs> oh, yeah? It's a weasel with a bald head. Interesting. He's For anyone a, who can't he's see. Got, he's got a licorice stick in his hand. <laughs> is he eating it? Dr. Naka was walking across Dax campus playing the clarinet. Oh, I'm on my way to the pep band. See, oh, I, you're, I, you were the, practicing? The other thing is, I mean, I, I love walking around campus. And I love seeing students. And I love seeing faculty in classes. And I think part of my job is on campus. So, mm -hmm. so walking around and seeing things and being part of things. So... I, I'm not getting a scholarship for this, but I, I, the pep band, if it needs a third clarinet, here I am. I'm, I'm here to play clarinet for the pep band. I think, uh, obviously, Guido Estevez, Steve Meadows do a fabulous with that. Laura Henskin is a clarinet, too. She might be the oh. second clarinet, but if I'm third, I, we don't really have a first, I don't think. Yeah. But, but we have fun doing it. So, I, yeah, I had to get my reed wet, so I'm walking across <laughs> playing. I don't know what I was playing, but. I like to find something. There's only a few songs I could play. Um, it could be When the Saints Go Marching In, or maybe I was playing, what is it, the Van, Van Morrison song, Moon Dance. It could have oh, been okay. that. Gotcha. <laughs> so we heard that you wake up very early every day and play the clarinet. Yeah, well, I started day with the clarinet. If I played at 3 in the morning, my wife would smack me. So I, don't, <laughs> I, I really wait until she wakes up, which is a little later than that. 
But I, yeah, I wake up early in the morning. So, so what motivates you to do that? Um, what motivates say, you to keep playing? My, my eldest son is 30. Oh, you mean cl- playing. Or yeah. to wake up. Here's why I wake up at 3 in the morning. So, <laughs> and then I'll, the playing. The waking up at 3 in the morning began when my son was born. And my wife was taking care of him. He was 30. He's 30 now, so 30 years ago. And I would, I would do the feeding. And that was something that I said, but it's a very quiet, nice time at 3 in the morning. And at it the time, is, I was yeah. working in the Transit Authority. So I'd have to get I would commute about an hour and a half sub trains and buses and stuff like that. So I, I, I really needed to get ready. But the quiet of that time, I realized I can read, I can write, I can do a lot of work there. And, and it was, I'd say it's pristine time. The other thing is I learned that my son, feeding him at three in the morning wasn't a very good thing because, you know, I have like hair on my breast, so it wasn't as good as my, <laughs> my wife doing it. But, but it was, uh, you two laugh well. I, I should have you with me when I... And start going a little off the rail, but 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 I did. I found that now the clarinet is something I've played for fifty years. So I've played it for fifty years. This is another real Danville story, but I'd only played for our cats. So I didn't realize till I got here. The first time I did something here, we had a, a play. It was um, Funny Girl. So they mm-hmm. needed somebody in the orchestra. Uh, Professor Langley was was mm-hmm. producing it. Professor Bowling, who retired a couple of years ago, so it was a musical. So, so I was playing in that, really, th- literally, third clarinet. And then somebody said to me, you know, you're out of tune. And I said, what? I didn't even know a clarinet could be out of tune. My, my cats, evidently, are tone deaf. <laughs> they never said to me, oh, you're out of tune. So then they showed me that. So I've been learning then, and I hadn't been conducted since I was 12. So that was my first experience being conducted. Now I'm in the municipal band, and obviously the pet band, that's the, the big thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but never had to play with other people since I was 12, because band, uh, band. But I continued to play clarinet, because I like clarinet. And now I have to worry about other people playing around me. So that's it. Fair enough. That's pretty interesting. So wait, so you said you were 12? Was that when you first started? That's playing? when I stopped. I probably started around seven or eight, got a clarinet. My first one was a steel one. I used to use it as a baseball bat every time I squeak. <laughs> but then I got a regular clarinet. But then it was band. Who wants to be in band? I wanted to be the third baseman of the New York Yankees. Now, I haven't made that, but <laughs> <laughs> nobody wants to. Anyway. So you have talked about DAC a lot and why you like to be here. And um, you told us about how you stumbled upon us but what was the process like of getting the job? I read an article and it was talking about how um, it got down to like three finalists and it was a pretty rigorous process. So could you tell us a little bit about that? Give well, us it was insight. three finalists. And one of my turned out to be one of the best friends we have here is Sybil Mervis. She was one of the ones as part of the process. We had to meet the community and the community then for each of us individually, we would come in. And, so, and we'd meet community, and they'd ask questions. And Sybil said to me, this is my first words, she said, why is it that someone from New York, New Jersey, would ever want to come and live in Danville? And then I explained, well, my wife's from Chicago, and we have, she has, there were nine families when we moved here who were all living in Chicago. No, wow. not, not at the time, but originally, for 30 years, we would drive to Chicago two or three times a year from New Jersey mm-hmm. to be with their family. Her father was in Chicago, They've all since scattered west, Naperville, up to Antioch, 
Kenosha, I mean, some of these weird towns <laughs> have been in the news. They're all relatives are there. I hate to say it, but um, Indianapolis, uh, Champaign. I mean, there's one in Champaign. Our, our cousin Chris just adopted somebody. So, so the family was all there, and that was the answer. So we met the community and each of us. Now, I lost a bet because I bet with somebody at my last college. I said, they're going to hire this other person. She has 10 times better credentials than I do. So I was very surprised that, you know, they... They wanted me to come. So it's, but it's, uh, it was meeting the community, I think was a very good thing and, and bringing my wife here. And then when they announced it, we made sure we drove in from New Jersey to go to the board meeting when they announced it, because wow. it, this, yeah. this, this is the best community I've lived in in 63 years. And it's, you know, if, if that doesn't mean anything to people, I mean, if you've lived here your whole life, you might not have the perspective but if you come from the outside and you see how charming this place is, the, the problems are, are easily solved. I mean, everything they say gets blown out of proportion here. This is not anything. You should go work in Bedford-Stuyvesant sometime <laughs> and, and have a crack addict as your assistant. That <laughs> is a lot different from anything you're ever going to do here. <laughs> so... You've been here since 2016, so you're relatively yes. new to the college. Yes. Okay. So what was, how did people here receive you initially? Well, that's the thing. I mean, I, I'm not I, – I, between grades kindergarten and 12, I moved – we're not sure, either seven or eight times. Okay. And it was the, what I said, Massachusetts, Vermont, upstate New York. It was seven or eight of those moves mm -hmm. before I graduated. In fact, I was in – we moved twice in second grade. There was a second grade I was in. I can't remember where it was. It was the middle second grade. Normally, you move into a, a place and you're ignored. The goofiest person in the whole area wants to be your friend because he's no one else's friend. That's normal. <laughs> so you have to get, deal with that. And, and you, otherwise, you're a pariah until you eventually they'll warm up to you, and then you move again. So that was basically my life. But there was this one second grade in between the other two second grades where I got there, and all of a sudden, all the kids wanted to be my friend. I don't know. They must have all been very bad athletes because I was the best athlete, and I was the smartest one in school. The teachers loved me. I said, this is the best. This is like being in heaven. <laughs> and, and then, of course, then my father got promoted again, and we moved, and I had to say goodbye, and then I was a stranger again, and treated like dirt. But that one second grade, and I, I, I'm not sure, it was either in Schenectady, New York, or Rutland, Vermont. It was one of the two places. I, my parents are dead, so I can't really get the answer <laughs> out of them. But that's what Danville's like. I, I mean, all of a sudden I get here, people, oh, we love Dak. And if, and if we love Dak, we love you. Wow. I'm not used to that. Yeah. People don't love me. So <laughs> it's, it, it's not, it was really welcome and warm. The other thing is, my whole life, I've never had a commute like this. The shortest commute I've ever had is an hour and 15 minutes oh each goodness. direction. Oh now it's 11 minutes. Wow. So for the last four and a half years, I've had an 11-minute commute through, I mean, the goat. I go back past goats. I just oh, love yeah. it. Yeah. You know the goats. Everybody yeah. knows the goats. <laughs> yeah, they keep hopping around. And <clears throat> so five, ten years down the road, once we get past everything that's going on right now, what are your long-term goals for Danville? I want to see Dak continue to do 
more with local business and continue to integrate a lot of what we have in our corporate education under Stephanie Yates and also with our new chief academic officer, Dr. Page and her deans, continue to build more as needed um, programs. Right now we have, we just had met with the casino people who will be coming oh. in and there are a whole slew of jobs and careers that they're going to be offering, depend, and they're going to depend on DAC to prepare people for things like slot technician and dealers and stuff like that. They'll go right into these jobs. Wow. While you're dealing, you could be continuing with other degrees here. Mm-hmm. There's, um, so that's it. So I want to see that. I'd like to see an on-campus athletic field, like for the softball team. Yeah. And it would be perfect right out front so that not just the, for the team, but also students, they come here and they've got a place they could do that. We have the Army, U.S. Army Reserve, which is, needs to, we, we own it now. We got it after about a two and a half year struggle. So that will become the home of healthcare professions. So we can expand our nursing, rad tech, sonography, um, echocardiography, health information technology programs, get them over there and really build a healthcare profession, sim lab and everything else there. Wow. That's, that's also something we need to do and I, I'd like to, like to be part of that. Gotcha. Okay. I'm kidding. Well, that was our formal process. Now we're going to get oh. into the more informal. Should I, should the... I pull my tie down? <laughs> <laughs> so um, now we're going to get into our deck attack. One, two, three, four. I mean, that's it. Summer or winter? See, these are hard questions. <laughs> oh, no. oh my God, winter. Uh, dogs summer. or cats? Summer. I, no, summer. <laughs> I, I, I forgot. I, I forgot. I'm old. When I was young, I liked winter. Yeah. I'm old. I like summer. Okay. Dogs or cats? Cats. Basketball or baseball? Baseball. East Coast or basketball Midwest? Too, though. East Coast or Midwest? Midwest. Come on. I should um, have like a... The Bronx or Queens? Bronx. Queens? Who, who'd live in Queens? <laughs> Sweet or savory? Savory. Eat in or dine out? Eat in. Tea or coffee? Coffee? Are you kidding? I'd take it intravenously. <laughs> Chocolate or vanilla? Vanilla. And lastly, oceans or mountains? Mm. Oceans for me, mountains for my wife. Okay. There you go. All right. Okay, so we just wanted to thank you for being here. We had a wonderful time. Thank you. Um, we had so much fun, and we really appreciate you being here. Well, I appreciate you two being here and doing this, and so keep up the good work and keep podcasting. This is just great. Thank you. A beautiful Thank you. set, and you have really good crew here. And so mm-hmm. glad, glad you're doing this. Thank you guys for listening. This has been the DACast with Kai and Keegan. Stay classy, Jaguars.